There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Imaginable Workplace, where we explore how to make work better. I'm Carl Javier, CEO of Puma Podcast, an award-winning podcast production company that aims to spread the joy, power, and value there is in listening. And I'm Jen Horn, a certified transformational coach and culture practice lead at Haraya Coaching. Rooted in wholeness, Haraya supports individuals and teams by creating safe spaces for transformation. In this episode on Mental Health Month, we ask, what if we could open up conversations about mental health in the workplace? And what might effective support look like at work? We're talking to two people today. One is a seasoned HR practitioner who has also had to manage his own mental health and is now championing it within his organization. And the other is a psychotherapist who shares his experience with clients dealing with occupational stress. But before we get to them, let's listen to Rika's story. Hi, my name is Rika Kamibayashi. I'm a certified transformative coach and brand strategist. I've been diagnosed with MDD, which is short for major depressive disorder, and GAD, also called generalized anxiety disorder, about two years ago. And at that time that I was diagnosed, I was already in the severe range or spectrum. For me, that looked like one, sleep deprivation, being awake for three days. And then if I did get some sleep, it would be about two to three hours. And then another cycle of three days of being awake. My body was basically developing a lot of infections and inflammation everywhere. Being physically ill, it meant I had to take a series of leaves, right? Sick days off that were unpredictable. And as a leader in an organization, I, I had that awareness that my absences would mean missed deadlines or undelivered KPIs that impacted country results. Two, cognitive impairment. I would easily lose focus and clarity. I lost the ability to organize and plan. And staying on task or prioritizing was just not available. Everything to me was urgent. So parang firefighting mode palagi. Even my memories in general, I couldn't access. Names, faces, and events were just disappearing. If I described it visually, para siyang sa movie na Infinity War, yung snap ni Thanos, lahat nawawala siya. So it was frustrating and terrifying. And then to cap it all off, the intrusive thoughts. These are loud chatter in my head that don't turn off. Right, saying very horrible things. So it followed me everywhere I went. Kahit na sa virtual call ako, kahit may kausap, it just didn't stop. I would hear it constantly. I think that was the year that I finally understood the word anguish because I was living it. Some of you may be in the same situation as Rika or know someone who might be. 
A 2001 report by the World Health Organization cites that mental ill health affects one in four people globally, and that depressive disorders already rank fourth in global diseases. So it was also expected to rank second by 2020 behind heart disease. And this was all prior to the pandemic that shook us in 2020. So in a more recent report naman released by WHO in 2022, they actually found that the rates of depression and anxiety went up by more than 25% in the first year of the pandemic. And if you were listening to our previous episode with Vina of Task Us, she actually shared that there are only two mental health workers for every 100,000 Filipinos. So clearly, there's a lack of accessible support. So, Carl, what are your reflections on this data and Rika's story? Well, one, we kind of intuit that there's a lot more awareness about people's mental wellness and mental health. But, you know, for someone like Rika, who's high-performing and then suddenly cannot even function, that's a new way that we need to think about it. Parang mental health is not viewed in the same realm as physical health. Parang pag inuubo ka, humiga ka muna at ipahinga mo yan, di ba? We don't have the same kind of framework for people who have mental health. And When you add on the layer of managers suddenly having to deal with these new stresses brought about not only by people coming to understand where they are, but also the pandemic sort of driving more people into states of depression and anxiety. And ang, ang lawak na kailangan nating pagdaanan. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so we just dove into the state of mental health globally, right? With the, the stats that I shared from the World Health Organization. And also what Vina shared about the accessible support here in the Philippines. So maybe let's take a closer look at mental health and what it really means from the perspective of a psychotherapist. Hi, my name is Charles Patrick S. Gamo, but you can just call me Patrick or Pat. As a psychotherapist, what I do is I provide clinical interventions to clients I normally work with people presenting with mental health struggles and issues, uh, both diagnosable and non-diagnosed. So things like vocational discontent or occupational stress or major depressive disorder or generalized anxiety disorder or any manner of anxiety disorders. If we were to describe what mentally unwellness looks like, it's when a person is easily overwhelmed or is overtaken by all sorts of uncomfortable or intrusive thoughts and feelings. When a person who is mentally well would normally be able to parse that or compartmentalize that, not not neglect it or not ignore it, but just you know put it in its place whilst at work, a person who is mentally unwell will allow that to kind of like seep in and It gets in the way of them being able to interact with other people, gets in the way of how productive they can get. As Pat said, diagnosed and undiagnosed, many Filipinos can still be faced with mental health challenges, diba? And in another report in 2021 by mental health company Mind Nation, um, they found that 53% So more than half of 6,000 Filipino workers surveyed 
had experienced mental health challenges during the pandemic. And nearly 25% of them considered quitting their jobs because of those struggles, right? You know, those challenges included weekend focus, difficulty sleeping, uh, low levels of confidence, and less pleasure in the things that they normally actually enjoy. And all of these contribute to reducing their productivity at work. I think it's no coincidence that we have all of this and we have the great resignation. The thing, though, is this also provides us now with a real data-driven approach. Yeah. And you know, with those stats, parang it becomes really harder to ignore. And it becomes something that leaders will have to deal with. Talaga. Have you noticed, like Jen, before, it was so normal in workplaces for people to say, Ay, nadidepress ako eh. And it was a non-clinical sort of just word thrown around. But now, people are much more careful in their language use. Yeah. And it's more of, okay, how do we actually want to talk about this? And how does it impact the quality of our lives, the quality of our work? And then also, you know, in the Philippines, it's less commonplace than for us to talk about mental health and therapy. And I guess in the workplace, lalong scary or intimidating to open up that conversation because it feels like there's so many vulnerabilities that come with doing so. And, you know, maybe you're... You're risking your credibility or parang how your office mates or how your boss perceive you as a reliable workmate, diba? So what can we do about it? Well, to get to the point nga where we can have effective mental health support at work, the first step is to remove the stigma. This next voice that you'll hear is from someone we brought in to speak from his experience as an HR practitioner. We didn't realize that interviewing him would actually reveal his own story of struggling with mental health for decades before finally opening up about it at work. My official name is Raul Arnel Garcia, but everybody knows me as Jen Garcia. In Zwilig Pharma, I am the vice president and human resource business partner for the distribution business unit. I've been an HR professional for the last 35 years. I am a person who suffers from a mental illness, and I'm very open about that. My openness about my, my own personal concerns only started probably a few years back, right? maybe four years at most when I start talking about it, when I start disclosing it to certain people. And even when I did that, it's really to some very close friends in the office whom I felt could, could help and assist me. So when we asked Jen about his thoughts on mental health at work, he actually made us question yung dividing ng mental health at work, mental health at home, and mental health in other social settings. Like, why are we even putting barriers between these? I don't think you can compartmentalize mental health that way. I think mental health is the state of a person's well-being regardless of where he is. Now, why is it important to talk about it in the context of work? The state of a person's well-being can be affected by what's happening at work. That is a big factor. After all, we spend more than a third of our day and sometimes more than half of our day interacting, working um, in the offices or wherever it is we do our work. 
at the same time, our mental health outside of work also affects the quality of work that we do uh, when, when, when we're in the offices, when we're at work. So it is a factor that could affect our mental health, but our mental health can also affect our work. And that's very important to distinguish. About two and a half years ago, Zwilig's CEO posted a LinkedIn article about mental health and how open other companies are or how open we should be about including people with mental health issues. And when I saw that being posted very openly and a CEO of the company advocating it, it, it kind of opened my eyes and, and gave me a sense of security to start talking more about it. This eventually led to the development of one of Zwilig's strongest HR programs for diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. We have a very senior level core group who are pillars of the DEI programs. I am the pillar for mental health and well-being. When this program was launched two years ago, two and a half years ago, I talked about it over a web meeting. A lot of people in the organization, in all of our markets, were listening in. And I talked about it. And I said, I was championing this pillar because I myself had a personal reason to do so. And coming out that way, was, it was scary. It was a very difficult decision to make. I, I thought about it maybe not just 10 times, more times, if I'm going to come out with it and tell everybody in the organization about it. And I, and I did. But yes, surprisingly, after that, I got messages from people around the organization thanking me for coming out and themselves saying that, yes, I also suffer from it or my, my relative suffers from it or a significant other suffers from it. And as a consequence, I'm also learning to cope. You always know as a statistic that one in four is probably suffering from some form of mental ill health. But you never really know until you kind of open yourself up that way and you have people reaching out to you and realizing the extent uh, to which it affects the organization or other people. Madalas naman nasasabi ngayon yung you don't know what a person is going through. I mean, you don't know what's going on inside. And we need to champion being vulnerable, talking about it. And if we as leaders are willing to open up, then our teams will not be ashamed to speak. When we have our unconscious biases about people who suffer from mental health and how probably they'll be less productive or less efficient at work, we're really excluding a certain member of our society where we can get a lot of talent from. So what are your thoughts on what Jen shared so far, Carl? So far, the top thing is the CEO being the person initiating the conversation. And another thing that I appreciate about it is when I prodded and I said, you know, you've been an HR professional for a long time, pero kailan ba nag-start ng conversation? He said, maybe five years. And so that's encouraging to me uh, that one, I mean, a company that's been around for a long time, HR practitioners that have been doing this for decades, they are introducing this into their thinking. And so kami sa Puma podcast, pwede pang humabol kasi bago pa lang kami. Sobrang important din yung culture building as part of opening up these issues and just generally giving more importance to mental health. So let's listen again to psychotherapist Pat 
who has observed how our glorifying of work in many Philippine companies and maybe even companies globally impacts employees' mental health. There's a huge skew towards just investing all of your time and your effort into your work, whereas the rest of life kind of just falls by the sidelines. And that's what contributes to the state of mental wellness in Filipino workplaces to be not where their senior leadership would like it to be. If their senior leadership were even aware or woke enough to care about the state of the mental well-being of their staff. People derive now, especially younger and younger generations, they, they derive their, their worth and their inherent value as human beings to what they accomplish or the kinds of achievements that they're able to bring in. Instead of you know just acknowledging that there's inherent worth, whether or not you have this specific degree or not, and so on and so forth. Having moved to Australia for work this year, Pat noted some cultural differences between Asians and Australians when it comes to upholding healthy work boundaries. I'm seeing then that Asians here have more or less the same kind of mindset, whereas Western, they do care about that too, but they care about it a lot less than the Asians do. And this is one of the things that I enjoyed, I guess, generally they care about boundaries. You know, like they will tell you, hey, it's, it's 4.30 or it's 5.00 go home. We don't need you to be here right now. Or like, it's after ours. Yeah, I'm not going to call you. It's okay. I'll talk to you tomorrow. So it's it, it's that to him. There's the boundaries that you set for yourself uh, that normally in Filipino workplaces, it kind of gets blurred. And it's also the, how much other people respect your boundaries too. So for us, for Filipinos, a lot of it is culture. You know, and how culture informs the way we interact with each other, with ourselves, and how much we take care of each other, how much we take care of ourselves versus how much we should be taking care of other people. And so, in exploring how to open up more conversations about mental health, what's funny is that the answer seems so simple and yet so overlooked. When I'm starting off with new clients, I used to start sessions off by asking, how are you? But I realized down the line that nobody actually really knows how to answer that question. Especially tayo, diba? Mga, mga Pinoy, para tayong, oh, kamusta? Ah, okay lang. Uh, or how are you? Um, I'm good. Or I'm okay. I'm fine. Or uh, everything's good. And then people are just like, eh, okay. But basically... I tell them, when I say how are you, what I really mean is, what's been on your mind? What have you been feeling? Or what, what feelings have you been you know, carrying? Or what feelings have you been struggling with? And is there anything in particular that you would like to talk about? Or is there anything in particular that I can help you with? And then in the times that I do catch up with people who don't know that that's what I mean by how are you, when I ask them, how are you? And then they just say, yeah, I'm fine. I will then go back to them and say, no, really. How are you? Because it, it's only through that talaga that you get people to kind of let their guard down and get them to realize like, yeah, I don't have to put up a facade with this guy. 
I can just kind of be me. And often I don't really get a chance to be me. And so maybe I'll just take this chance to, to do that. Kind of funny story. We interviewed Pat and Jen Garcia on the same day. And we found it really interesting that even with their different contexts, backgrounds, and training, they both brought this point up. Here's what Jen Garcia said when we asked him how leaders can spark these conversations. What can they do? They can provide an open, safe, and supportive environment so that the person can talk about, can discuss very openly and very freely what is bothering them and what is stressing them out or what is contributing to their mental illness. And then providing and and allowing that person to seek that help uh, from professionals who can absolutely give them solutions to their issues. I think that's what should be clear in the minds of managers. But even in my email, I, I write people and I say, how are you doing? And in my next sentence, I really want to know, how are you doing? And you would be surprised at how much people start opening up. It's just asking twice and making sure that I'm truly interested. I'm truly listening. I'm not just passing you by and asking you, how are you? How are you? I want to spark a conversation. And I think that's one way of being human uh, as a leader. Even in our emails, our emails are so impersonal. And we start our emails with, Hey Carl, how are you? And then you go straight to the work, right? Why don't just why don't just begin with, "Hey Carl, how are you? I'm really interested." So I heard you attended a leadership seminar last week. How did that go? Share your insights and let's keep the conversation going about this project. And you'll see that you know it just opens you up and you become more human and you're more willing to talk about something and you're really interested. It's almost basic, right? It's almost like I don't need to teach that. But, but at work, it's a theme that I think we need to remind people about. So what happens when you take the time to ask, how are you really? We'll learn more after the break. So how are you feeling as you're listening to this episode so far? Wherever you are right now, you've taken the first steps in opening up conversations on mental health at work by listening to the experiences of others on this episode. If you're looking for someone to listen, help you gain clarity on what might work best for you and your organization, and give you a boost of courage to bring your intention into action, connect with us via harayacoaching.com for a free coaching consultation so that together we can create an imaginable workplace. When we do create the space to truly listen, what are some of the challenges that people talk about at work? Let's listen to Pat again. Others will have interpersonal conflicts at their places of work, and that, that's normal. But the most common, if ever, is balance. They're all struggling with balance. It's either that or vocational discontent is the simplest way I can put it. They're in the jobs that they're in, but they don't actually like what they're doing but they felt trapped or felt forced to do it because of different circumstances. So if it's not an interpersonal concern, it's discontent with their life situation or with their work situation because of either lack of growth or it's not aligned with their values, or it's that they lack balance. 
they're overly stressed or they've overinvested themselves in work and it's everything else has again has fallen by the wayside. Tiba Jan, we joke about the yoga sessions and the meditation apps and all of this like mm-hmm. wellness initiative mga nagsisindi ng kandila sa opisina ganyan but you know these aren't as effective as one might think and we've had this conversation before like uh, in our episode with Vina of Taskas where we need to go to the source of the stress not just managing the stress yeah Sabra, Carl. So let's listen to Jen Garcia sharing more of the questions that he asks himself in his work in HR with Zwilig about, you know, how might we design less stressful and more meaningful experiences for people in the workplace? We already know what it is at work that stresses people and could affect their mental health. And really, that's the job how we design the job, how meaningful is the job, how much feedback does the job provide so that the individual can take ownership for the results of the job, the task variety. Do I have enough variety in the work so that I can use and maximize all of the skill sets that are available to me, right? The effectiveness of the organization. Am I getting the right support from my managers? Are my peers providing the right support? Those are the things that really impact mental health. Is the workload correctly distributed? Am I overworked? Do I have the right tools so that I can cope with the work? That's the work that HR professionals should be doing. That's the work that managers should be doing. I'm not saying it's not important to have all of the other interventions. It's also important. But if we spend majority of our time looking at the job, looking at organizations, We'll spend less time in putting in interventions and cures afterwards, right? So it's great that you know Jen Garcia classifies three levels of intervention. He actually gives us like a framework that we can use for providing mental health support at work. The first level of intervention looks at designing more humane jobs and organizations. Look at the jobs. Look at the organization. Design it in the way that it is more human. Design it in a way so that people find meaning and purpose in their work, are able to have meaningful relationships with the people around their work, right? That's the first intervention. The second level looks at providing team members with some foundational tools and knowledge to help themselves manage their own stress and mental health. Here are some questions that Jen suggests we should ask ourselves and our team. How do I manage my own stresses? How do I balance my work and my family? How do I balance relationships outside of work? And at least to point them to the right resources so that they can themselves develop and get the right ideas to help them cope. Once you have those two levels as a foundation, then you can think about the third level, which are the more visible or performative interventions the things that can help alleviate other stresses. The last intervention is where you put in programs in place. There's nothing wrong with mindfulness sessions. There's nothing wrong with guided exercises because it really does help to ease stress. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with 
expanding your HMO coverage to cover mental health. There's nothing wrong with expanding your leaves coverage to have not just sick leaves, but mental illness sick leaves as well. It's nothing wrong with that. But I think that's the third level of intervention. If we can focus on the first, it'll be great, right? If we can cover the whole gamut, that's even better. Yeah, I really love how Jen Garcia broke it down into those three levels. And Yung nga, Carl, diba? Yung the first level of intervention really shouldn't cost organizations that much. It's like a baseline or foundation really for really creating meaningful, purposeful work. So ngayon, let's go back to Rika. So anong nangyari with her depression and anxiety? And, you know, did her company give her mental health support? I would say pretty good in terms of organizational support. Best in class pa nga. Because years before the pandemic, we've had flexible work hours already. And then I had a significant number of days for medical leave. And then, of course, EAP or Employee Assistance Program. This one we've also had years before the Mental Health Act was instituted in 2020. It was that EAP that gave me access to a psychiatrist. Shanae diagnose and also prescribed medication for me. Outside of that, I also had a coach within the organization that supported me. I mentioned this because she was the one that suggested I use my EAP. Sabinarika, you definitely sound different. And she convinced me to use my EAP and connect with a psychiatrist immediately. This one was the one that blew my mind because no one else had. I said, not my family members, my best friend, the closest of friends or colleagues were able to detect anything but that coach was the one who had that inkling. And by the way, even I myself did not even recognize anything. So to this day, it baffles me. But Rika says if she could improve anything in her experience... It would have been at the stage of pre-diagnosis. An understanding of mental health and illnesses and what that actually looks like for an employee like me for a supervisor that was also me, and then for a larger team. I had an awareness, sure, but awareness or knowledge isn't the same as understanding, right? And I went through my journey. I realized through that inner work and introspection, I probably had that depression two or three years before the diagnosis. Because... I evaluated the signs and symptoms and I just simply either did not see it or ignored it. Instead, what would have stood out were my being constantly absent, the missed deadlines, inability to focus, or simply being unable to be present in meetings. And of course, that would point to poor performance as a bottom line. But it tells a different story when we have a deeper understanding of how mental illness can show up in the workplace. Napaisip nga ako, what if those who thought we thought of as poor performers before were suffering mental illnesses and didn't know it themselves? Again, no, bumabalik siya dun sa na-mention mo na rin, Carl, di ba na? We never know what people are going through. So maybe, how can we also extend a bit more compassion or maybe give a little bit more 
benefit of the doubt sa mga tao, bigyan sila ng chance to recover, to be able to have conversations about what support looks like for them. So for you, Carl, parang ano yung mga reflections mo rin as you think about maybe your experience with mental health? I'm very fortunate that early in my career, I got to work on a book, an anthology written by neurodivergent children and young adults. And they got to just express themselves artistically, but I had to adapt to some na walang filter, so and everything comes out during the workshop critiques and some would be you know incapacitated by just the social pressures of all of this and so i had to come to understand that everyone needed to be approached differently with this work all of these people can be fantastic performers under the right circumstances and it's incumbent upon leaders to put them in a position to succeed Yun ang trabaho natin bilang leaders, bilang managers, put them in a position to succeed. So it's important for us to reflect upon the different experiences that each person can have. As I shared my journey of having this illness, other people opened up to me about their struggles. So I would encourage them to get checked too. 100% of the time, they came back to me saying they got diagnosed now. And that can be the beginning of our healing and recovery path. If in sharing my story, I can maybe add a face to what it looks like and help others understand that it isn't a weakness or our fault for having an illness. And then maybe second, give a bit of hope that having a mental illness is not a punishment or forever state. Because 18 months after my own diagnosis, here I am and recovery and living a meaningful life. If I can do those two things, then it's worth it. With Haraya and with coaching, parang our fundamental belief really is that every person is creative, resourceful, and whole. And I think even, you know, in spite of these challenges, parang there's still that belief in the potential of people a person can still strive to be better with the right support. And so it also really comes down to introducing changes to build a culture that opens up these conversations, that creates the support network that you need to be able to manage this in the workplace. Consistent with all of our episodes is the role of leaders in creating that change, in leading that culture change. So let's listen to Jen Garcia speak more about that. I think central to this whole thing are people managers. Leaders define culture, really. It's almost as if their own assumptions, their own beliefs as leaders define organizations. So if we're talking and we're having conversations about mental health in the organization, it's very important that leaders mirror that and are examples of those conversations. And it can start as simple as asking people how they are, how they are really, and to be sensitive enough to sit somebody down and spend some time um, to talk about it. That's the informal way, and to me, the best way of building culture. I feel like we've gone through so much in this episode. So I'm going to go through my three takeaways 
So first, I actually wind up going back to our earlier episode about work boundaries with Vina and just there's a cost to doing something, but there's a cost to not doing it. And I love that Jen Garcia provides us with very clear, you know, step one, step two, things that we can do that don't cost anything apart from a reimagining of how we structure a job description or how we build a work experience. Ang kailangan mo is to have a more humane approach in crafting everyone's daily work. Number two is leaders need to start the conversation. We need to signal as the leaders of organizations that we're ready to have these conversations. Not only are we ready, we're open, we want to listen. And by leaders starting, then we can actually let other people open up and maybe they'll lead the efforts. And then the last one is both our guests, Jen and Pat, talk about the how are you. It's very simple to do the secondary how are you. But it's the acknowledgement that there is a bigger world and this bigger world that each person inhabits, hindi mo separate yung mental health nila from the rest of it. So maybe something for our listeners to reflect on as you know they've listened to this episode and even your takeaways, Carl, is you know if it sounds as simple as it does, maybe what's getting in the way of these conversations happening? How open are the lines of communication within our organization? How vulnerable are we as leaders or as team members to to share? And how much do we care about the inner lives of people outside of just the transactional work that we do together? I'm Carl Javier. And I'm Jen Horn. Thank you for listening to The Imaginable Workplace. This podcast is brought to you by Haraya Coaching, a company rooted in wholeness that supports individuals and teams by creating safe spaces for transformation. In partnership with Puma Podcast, an award-winning podcast production company that aims to spread the joy, power, and value there is in listening. This episode was produced by Macy Hoven and edited by Mark Casillian. If you enjoyed this podcast, then we're sure you know someone else who'd also want to improve their workplace. So please share this with a colleague or friend and follow this show on your podcast app for more stories, data, and insights on creating your imaginable workplace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.